Hello friends, welcome to 100 Degrees Below Freezing, a story and devotional podcast where we share the experiences we've had while following Jesus in the Alaskan bush. Sometimes odd, sometimes funny, sometimes painful, but always in light of Jesus. Grab something warm and join us in the adventure. Episode 8, The Yukon Huck Finn. 80%. That's what my rough calculations had come up with. 80% of the church's budget was turned into smoke out of boiler vent. Now, after the winter of 2011 and the extremely long cold spells that the church's two principal buildings, the sanctuary and the church parsonage, had been through, consumed nearly $20,000 in heating oil. That is not a sustainable model. And so I started cutting wood. Wood for a parsonage fireplace that did not yet exist. Wood that would need six months of curing to be dry enough to burn. How much wood do you think I'll need? I asked several folks. Mm, Probably more, was the usual reply. I was cutting green birch and using a snow machine, pulling a nine foot long sled to haul easily 1,500 pounds of logs at a time. Day after day, for several weeks, I cut and hauled and stacked and repeat. By the end of that first winter wood season, my hands were pretty beat up. My back was constantly killing me, and I was in better physical shape than I had been in a really long time. But most importantly, I had what others thought was probably enough. That first summer, we purchased a huge Blaze King wood stove and installed it in the downstairs area of our home. Our first winter in the parsonage, when fuel oil was the only heat source, at $5 a gallon, we were averaging 300 gallons a month to heat the parsonage and hot water and garage. The following winter, with the advent of wood heat in our home, we burned a total of 300 gallons for the whole winter. And that, friends, is how Galena Bible Church got a ministry budget. By the decision to start burning firewood, I was able to free up somewhere between eight to $10,000 a year for the church to begin doing ministry outreach and missions. This has been one of the more unique aspects of church administrative ministry that I've had to deal with. Stewardship is a key aspect of ministry for any pastor, and making sure that you are using the Lord's resources well should always be a part of the job of church leaders. It should always be remembered that we've been given a responsibility to use the resources put into our care with the knowledge that it's a privilege to take care of these things, and that we will have to give an account of how we use them. However, most of my pastor friends are not thinking about how to best get firewood for their church. That's just so 1890s. But we didn't stop with the parsonage. When we saw the incredible benefit of wood heat for the church's ministry, we began to explore the possibility of wood heat for the church as well. This posed a different challenge. Someone was always at the parsonage able to be mindful of the fire. The church is only used during business hours and at scattered times on the weekends. Plus, it was a much larger facility that would need more wood and a totally different system than a wood stove. It didn't seem like there was a good answer for the challenge. Until the flood of 2013. 
Now, the flood will get its own episode, or probably a couple, because the Lord taught me a lot through that. But one of the physical things that the flood brought the church was a small house that was donated to us. This house was moved onto the church property and remodeled. Now we had the ability for someone to live on site who could be mindful of a fire. We ended up settling on a wood gasification boiler that was the make and model used by the Fish and Wildlife Service in the area and installed it on the church porch by building a room around the boiler. But a wood boiler is no good without wood to fuel the system. So how are we going to deal with that? We started by asking the men of the church, as they went to Hallwood, if they would be willing to tithe or donate a load or two of wood to the church. Many did, and that was a great blessing. But it was obvious it was not nearly going to be enough. So it was about this time that we started doing something that most of the men at the church didn't have much experience with, but was a normal part of life for many in the village. River logging. May 10 is about the average for when the Yukon River ice gives way to the thaw of spring. So for several days, blocks of truck-size ice grind down the river from bank to bank, carving off the banks as it goes. This causes trees to fall into the river and be limbed and stripped of most of their bark. Some trees get hung up on the banks and weather over several years before passing in front of Galena. Other trees still ooze the sap of this year's thaw. But whatever the state of the tree, they come en masse past Galena about a week after the ice goes out. And when they come, if you plan to get them, you have to be ready. Because if you're not, you miss them. And the river clears up to its normal majestic flow. Several men in the church, who can be more flexible with their schedules, will help to coordinate efforts to lasso the logs and drag them to shore, where a couple of guys and chest waders stand ready to affix them to the beach and begin bucking them into manageable lengths. Now this process can yield a significant amount of wood for the church, so long as two things happen. First, it's not always a guarantee that there will be a good drift year. Some years, there just isn't very much wood coming down the river. So there needs to be enough wood. And the second, it's pretty hard to get driftwood by yourself, unless it's already beached. Without the help of others, your driftwood harvest is going to be pretty small. So you've got to have help. Both of these two challenges were true this past year. The drift was small and the available help was limited. And so the woodpile for the church was only a third of what it needed to be from previous experience. What were we going to do now? We had grown accustomed to having some margin within the church budget for youth and children's ministry, village outreach, and missionary support. We couldn't afford to not do these ministries. So option three was utilized. River rafting. We utilized a volunteer team from a supporting church. This is a shout out to Kaleo Church in Anchorage, Alaska. Awesome folks. To take several of the team members upriver to where drift logs had beached themselves. We cut and fashioned a log raft containing about 30 logs and then used several boats as tugs to push the raft downriver to where we could get them at Galena. The volunteers were videoing and taking selfies and thoroughly enjoying the whole experience. They had never done anything like this before in their life. Funny thing was, neither had I. 
How did I get to the place in life where I was building a log raft on the Yukon River so that I would be able to have a ministry budget to help reach people with the gospel and fund church planting in the region? It was my first time working on a log raft too, but it just seemed so normal. Like, yeah, it's Tuesday. Of course I'm on a log raft. What else would I be doing? The more I thought about it, the more I was confused by the normalcy of it for me. These volunteers were elated. I was just working to make sure some equipment ran, people stayed safe, and the job got done. Everyone who has traveled outside their home culture has experienced culture shock. The feeling that you get when everything is new and unfamiliar. Customs, foods, social norms, everything is different. But when you live in a place long enough, those things stop seeming weird and begin to be ingrained in who you are. As I produce this episode, it's winter here in Galena, and I've got wood hauling on my mind. Not something most of my pastor friends are thinking about today. But every time I'm lifting a log into a sled or dragging one onto the beach, I'm thinking about the ability to do more ministry because we're not burning heating oil. But that doesn't mean there aren't days and really heavy logs that cause me to wonder, is this worth it? Wouldn't it be easier just to say wood hauling isn't in my job description? The pastor of the church shouldn't have to be worrying about firewood. And then I see the faces of children and students and residents in my village, supported ministry partners, and the lives that have been changed because of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the ministry of Galena Bible Church, and I grab another log. Jesus is worth it. These people are worth it. My body may give way before I'm done. I've worn through a crazy number of work gloves since living here, but it's worth it. No, Woodcutting 101 wasn't a part of my Masters of Divinity, and it wasn't a part of the plan and coming, but it's a part of normal life. What extraordinary things are you willing to have become normal in your life so that others could know the glorious Jesus? Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of 100 Degrees Below Freezing. To you, friends, I say, stay warm and never stop needing Jesus. Jesus.